Mark chapter 4. We've only got probably just... Uh, uh, I'd have to go back and look at my original notes, but probably just two or three more of these that we're going to do. Just a few more things I really want to get across. Of course, we've been talking about the importance of service, and I'm not going to go over everything that we've been talking about over the weeks, but I think it's clear, something that we all understand, something we all realize is we've been called to service. We've been called to do something. All right, We're, we're called to serve one another. That's how that's how we serve the Lord. It's clear that we need to do that, and we've talked a lot about the importance of of making sure that we pass that on. I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, anytime you see a shrinking religion, all right, that shows that there's a huge problem that's not there, and that is the whole passing it on to the next generation. I mean, that's something we are supposed to do. The Jewish people, they were supposed to teach the things diligently to their children. They were supposed to speak of these things when they were walking, when they were laying down. Just whatever they do, they're supposed to talk about these things. And it was supposed to just be a regular discussion around the house about the law of God so it would be passed on to the next generation. Many times we see in the history with the Jews, they would forget the laws of God. Josiah, for example, the king, who was a good king. He'd been king, I think, maybe ten years. He became king when he was eight years old. So here he is, a young adult. And he is has the law read to him. They find the book. They find the book. They find the Bible. Well, you know that's pretty sad when you don't know where the Bible is. But they didn't know. And they find it. And they read it to Josiah and the first time he hears it, the Bible says that he rent his clothes and he's thinking, what have we done? We are in trouble. And it's sad that the king did not even know the law of God. And it was no wonder nobody was following the law. It hadn't been passed down. And one of the things that we see happen, and it's happening with fundamental bats, I would say that I would, you know, I haven't done the numbers myself and the statistics. But I'm afraid that we're not growing like we should. I feel like we're kind of shrinking, if anything. And I know I know this particular church, you know, we are growing, but we're new. But overall, it seems like we're we're shrinking, and I think one of the biggest reasons for that is we're not teaching the next generation. We're not and not just the next generation, we're not teaching others, we're not teaching the new converts. One of the things that can we have to be very careful about. We're a new church. We're a young church. And I know this is a Sunday night crowd here. But you know, one of the things that we've got to understand, we're going to have, if we're doing our job as a church, we're going to have a lot of people coming through here at all different spiritual levels. We're going to have lost people coming here. We're going to have newly saved people coming here. And they are not going to automatically, once they get saved, know everything we do and understand why we do it. They're not. In fact, they're probably going to look at some things and like, you know, what's that all about? What's going on? And one of the things that happens sometimes in churches is we get real good about, you know, just yelling and hollering about what we do and you know, this is just how you do it. Bless God. If you're a good Baptist, if you're a Christian, you ought to do this. You ought to dress this way. You ought to act this way. You know, what's wrong with you people that aren't doing what the rest of us are doing? We're real good at that. And we can get 
the people that you know we've got in line all excited during those messages, but there's a lot of people that don't know. And the truth is, many times there's a lot of people in churches that are doing the things that they're supposed to do, but they don't know why they're doing it. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, I guarantee you the next generation is probably not going to do it. And we've got to be able to teach these things. And that's one of the things that Jesus did. What we're going to look at tonight is we're going to look at Jesus' teaching. We're going to look at how Jesus taught His disciples. The methods that He used, not just His disciples, but other people, when He would be preaching. Jesus, I mean, I believe in preaching. I absolutely do. I believe in preaching. I love preaching. I do preaching. But I also believe in teaching too. Teaching's important. There are some people, all they want is the teaching. They don't like the preaching. Alright? We need both. Okay? Both are good. And but Jesus he did and Jesus did both. Sometimes he got up and he yelled and hollered and called names. Generation of vipers, you know, wolves. I mean he called them all kinds of things. Because they deserved it. The apostle Paul did that. I like what he called I was one of the high priests, he called him a whited wall. You know, basically saying, you know, you're you're a painted wall, you're fake. And uh and insulted him. Uh, and Sometimes that needs to be done. We need that. But listen, if we're going to train the next generation of servants, we've got to be able to teach them the Word of God. So we're going to look at the examples that Jesus taught. And really, you know, a lot of these things you might find out. You know, once again, this could be things that they are kind of been a part of church for a long time. Maybe we were doing them because that's what Jesus did. Maybe we just did it accidentally. We accidentally followed the Bible because it worked. But let's first let's see what Jesus did. Well, Mark chapter four, verse one through three. Mark four, verses one through three. It says that he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land, and he taught them many things by parables. And said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. One of the things Jesus did, he told stories. He told stories. That is a great way to teach people things, to tell stories, especially kids. And you know what? Let's just be honest, even adults, we all like a good story, don't we? It's just, it gets your attention. It's one of the things that helps get messages across. And Jesus, he would tell stories, or he would tell parables. Some of these stories, he just he made them up. They weren't things that really weren't necessarily things that happened. He was telling a story that had a moral behind it. I've done that with my kids since they were little. Um, y'all might think I'm a terrible parent because of this, but I remember Tommy when he was younger, he had a problem with flushing the toilet. He never remembered to flush the toilet, and so. I just, you know, no matter what we did, could not remind him to flush the toilet. So I told him a story. I don't know if he'll remember what the story was. Tommy, you remember the story I told you when you went and flushed the toilet? You were pretty young. I told him the story of the toilet bugs. Alright? And, you know, if your bathroom gets nasty, there are these little bugs sometimes that you'll see around. You go into a nasty bathroom. I've always called them toilet bugs. I don't know what they are. But I told him the story of the toilet bugs and about a little boy who never flushed the toilet when he was supposed to. And because he never flushed the toilet, the toilet bugs started to come. And the toilet bugs, there were so many of them because he went so long 
finally one day they, there became so many of them they just grabbed the boy and took him away and he was gone because of the toilet bugs and boy he's just he's, you know, he's listening and you know what after that he started flushing the toilet I remember one time I heard him go in the bathroom I heard him flush the toilet and a few seconds like a minute or two later I heard him flush the toilet again I'm like Tommy what are you doing he's like I couldn't remember if I flushed the toilet I want to make sure I did <laughs> And he remembered for a long time, and every once in a while he'd start forgetting again. I'd say, "Tommy, remember the toilet bugs?" And he remembered he'd remember to flush the toilet. And you're like, "That's terrible parenting." Oh, he learned to flush the toilet. <laughs> I thank the Lord for it because you know sometimes I think there's grown-ups that don't remember to flush the toilet, and that's just not a good thing. But Jesus, he did. He told stories. If some he made up. Some really happened. For example, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. One thing Jesus never does in a parable, He never names names. But in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, He said there was a certain rich man. He didn't name the rich man, but He did name, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. He named Abraham also in that story. That was a story that really happened. That's another great way to teach people. It's a great way to teach your kids things. I remember my dad, when we were kids, he would tell stories. And we always liked hearing stories from when he was a kid. And they usually involved him getting in trouble. We always enjoyed those stories of dad getting in trouble. And my dad got in a lot of trouble when he was growing up. But he would sometimes use those stories as a way to teach us lessons about you know listening to your parents and about you know obeying the rules and behaving in school. Because those things get our attention. I mean, honestly, how many of you when you were a kid... When your parents got up, and I don't know if they ever did this, but if your parents have gotten up and said, alright kids, today we have a new list of rules for our house. Oh, I don't want to hear this. I remember when I was teaching at the school over in LaSalle, um, you know, every year there would usually be a few new rules we would need to add, and I would always go over those things. And of course it was always frustrating. Nobody really wanted to hear it. It was really boring here in the new rules. So I remember one year I thought, well, you know, I'm going to make it interesting. And I, I still have them there in my office. I have these AC and Christie puppets. If you're familiar with ACE, AC and Christie are kind of some of the main characters. And I, over the years, had kind of given them a personality that was, you'd have to understand ACE and you have to understand me. But it was a very goofy personality that I gave them. And I remember I thought, for all the new rules, I made a video of AC explaining all the new rules to everybody. And you know what? A lot of these rules, I, get, I know people weren't going to be excited about it, but everybody loved hearing the new rules because they heard from AC. You know, just doing that visual illustration there, I haven't, having him tell if there was one rule I remember I knew nobody was going to like, and before I had AC come out and he's kind of shaking, he jumps back down and does that a few times and everybody's just kind of like, what's going on? And then I, you know, explained the rule, and then he kind of ducked, like people were throwing stuff at him, just goofy stuff like that. But people love stories; it helps them learn, and it's a great thing to do with your children, to and anybody to tell stories to help teach them things, because nobody likes to just hear a list of rules and things. It's it's no fun. And Jesus, he got creative. You know what Jesus was really doing when He told those stories? Is He was bringing it down to their level. And that's where the second point. We've got to bring it down to their level. Remember, Jesus, here we have the Son of God on earth. 
if he was to just speak things as they were, as he understood them, mortal man would not have understood. We cannot comprehend it. So Jesus had to bring it down to their level, and that's why his parents sometimes we do that with kids. There's some you know you try to teach them, don't talk to strangers. You can't go into all the details of why they shouldn't talk to strangers. They're not ready for that kind of information. So sometimes you do other. There's other things you do. I remember when we were kids, my dad had us watch this video. It was a cute video. I'd like to find it. You know, thinking back, it was probably really lame. But when I was a kid, I loved it. And it was a Winnie the Pooh video, and not Winnie the Pooh the cartoon, but it was one where they're like in the costumes and things. And it was all about being too smart for strangers and not, you know, going with people if they ask you to ride in the car and stuff. And I remember learning all those valuable lessons from watching Winnie the Pooh. A lot more interesting than just your dad, <laughs> you know, just yelling out the rules. And it really helped. But what it did, it brought it down to the level of a kid where it would motivate them to want to do those things without giving them all the details because we're not ready for it. And Jesus here, He's talking to Nicodemus. Who Nicodemus, he's probably a very well-educated man. He's a very religious man. But even with him, with all the knowledge he probably had, a lot of things with salvation would have been above him. And so in John chapter 3, verse 12, when he, he Jesus he told Nicodemus he said he must be born again. Nicodemus didn't completely get it, but verse twelve Jesus said, "If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life." Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, I can't, I can't just tell you the heavenly things. You won't get it. If you won't believe this earthly example that I give you, if you won't believe this thing of being born again, you're not going to believe heavenly things. And sometimes we need to bring things down to their level. That's why maybe you teach a group of children in Sunday school different than you do the adults. You've got to bring it down to their level. They're not going to get all of it. Do you think any of these kids in here are going to care if I start giving them Greek definitions of words in the Bible? you think that's going to help them one bit? Absolutely not. It's going to bore them to tears. And so you do you bring it down to level. And that's what Jesus did. And there's many other examples that we could look at where Jesus he brought it down to their level. He told a story. He told a parable. He gave some kind of comparison that just made it where anybody can understand it. And you know, that's the truth about the Gospel. There's religions out there that act like you got to have the superior intellect to understand it. Run away from every one of those. God made the plan of salvation simple so anyone can understand it. Even a child. In fact, if you won't receive it as a child when you're an adult, you won't even be able to get saved. Children get the things of God better than adults do sometimes. And that's why we have to come to Him as a little child, having faith. And so, if you're going to teach things, bring it down to their level. Tell them something that they understand. As a parent, you know what your kids' hobbies are. You know what it is they enjoy. Maybe take something like that and use it as an illustration. And you know, it's like, you know, maybe, it's like, you know how your little brother just drives you crazy? 
and how you want to kill them all the time. Well, you know, someday when you grow up, you know, the Lord's going to want you to serve Him. He's going to want you to serve. Part of that is going to be in the house of God. And you're going to have brothers and sisters in Christ there that sometimes you're going to want to strangle and sometimes you're going to want to kill. But you know what? The truth is, admit it, you really love your brother. You really love your sister. I wanted to kill my sisters all the time growing up. I felt that way, but you know what? I never would have. I never would have killed them. If they would have died, I would have been heartbroken. I'd have been I'd have been devastated. And you know what? There's been church members that I've thought, not here. We'll say my old church. <laughs> no, but then I thought, man, people drive me nuts. You know, just strangle. But you know what? The truth is, I love, I love those people. And I I don't know. There's something about people that I've gone to church with that I've got a special connection with those people. There's something about brothers and sisters in Christ, even ones from other churches, just people I've got to know from other churches. I love fellowshipping with God's people. I absolutely love it. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I get aggravated, maybe want to choke somebody. But you know what? When it all comes down to it, I love those people. And just like if somebody was to come into your family and uh, you know pick on one of your brothers or sisters that was from outside the family, hey, I'm the only one that's allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm the only one that can beat up my brother. I mean, you go to you go to bat for them in a heartbeat. You'd fight for them if you had to. And it's the same thing with God's people. And Jesus, He would give He give illustrations. We got to do the same thing to help teach the next generation. Jesus also used visual illustrations. This is a good one. Mark chapter thirteen, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Mark thirteen. 28 and 29. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When a branch is yet tender and putteth forth her leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. The disciples have just asked a very difficult question. They say, hey, what is the sign of your coming in the end of the world? How are we going to know when it is? How do we spot it? You know, and we've been asking that question for a long time, haven't we? That's something that everybody likes to talk about and wonders about. And so what Jesus did, I don't know, maybe they were by a fig tree. I can picture them being by a fig tree. So you know what? Learn a parable of this fig tree. Maybe it was in that time in spring, I don't know, and he looks and he shows he's pointing out the leaves, he's pointing out that it's blooming. He's like, you know what, you can tell by looking at this fig tree what time of the year it is. You can tell it's spring just from looking at that tree. You can tell that it's only a matter of time before it produces fruit. He gave them a visual illustration to help them understand something else He was trying to teach them. We do that all the time. I remember one time in King's Kids, I was doing, I was going to do a visual illustration. I was teaching on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I remember I saw, I saw this trick that you can do where you can light a dollar bill on fire and it not burn up. And you'd mix water and rubbing alcohol together, and you put the dollar in it, and it would you could light it on fire, and it would burn all the alcohol off of it, but it wouldn't hurt the dollar. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And so I remember I got up and I told the kids, and I said, it's like, you know why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get burned in that furnace? Because, I said, I said this water here, I called it water, I didn't tell them what was in it. I said, this represents just the God's protection. And, and I put that dollar in the water. And I said, 
I said, they, I said that represents God's protection. They were covered by God's protection. And see how this and see how this dollar is wet. It's not going <clears> to <throat> excuse me. It's not going to catch on fire. And so I went and I I put a match to it or a lighter to it, and the dollar caught on fire. And all the kids they kind of gasped. And the kid I got a kid to give me a dollar from the audience. He kind of gasped. And I, and but all of a sudden the fire kind of went out, and the dollar was fine. And the kids were like, oh, you know, wow. You know, that, that was neat. And then I was like, and you know what? And then I did. I, I decided I was going to do it with my hand. And I remember I stuck my hand in it. And then I went and I lit my hand on fire. And my hand was on fire. And everybody, everybody kind of gasped. And I had practiced it before. And I'd blow it out real quick. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt. Well, I, I got caught up in the show and did a little too long. And it burnt. And I covered it up. I didn't act like I was hurt. My hand was kind of shaking for a little while because it kind of, it kind of hurt. But boy, it got their attention. That visual illustration of you know the hand being on fire, but hey, it's not hurting that you know of. <laughs> but those kind of things they help us learn things. They help us remember. I've never tried using that illustration again. I probably never will. It was it was not a very good idea, but uh, worked for that one time. But Jesus did things like that. And you know it's a good thing too, because remember we're supposed to be doing these when we're you know when we're walking by the way, when we're sitting down in our house and and look for opportunities to teach things. And one of the things that that kids do, you know, my daughter Chloe, she's she's real good at this. You know, we've got a lot of rules in our house that are not in most homes. And if Chloe sees anybody doing something that we don't do, she questions it, and she'll. I mean, she'll even call people out on things sometimes. We try to teach her, like, Chloe, you know, we don't tell other people what to do. You know, this is what we do. And, uh, you know, but she notices all that stuff. And, you know, she's paying attention right now. And, you know, Chloe, she said, she's kind of got a little bit of a, a stubborn streak in her. She takes after her mother a little bit. And, you know, sometimes she will kind of do this. Uh, she'll just say, well, you know, when I grow up and I get married, I'm going to do this. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> you know. And the truth is, there's a lot of rules in our house that she obviously does not understand why we do these things yet. You know, I'm not going to panic too much yet, but as a father, I've got to make sure that by the time she does grow up, that she understands why we have these rules, that I teach these things to her. And I sometimes like to use you know, visual illustrations. I talked this morning about it. sometimes just going to the malls. There's a well of illustrations there. You know, you see that kid that's going through the store that's just completely out of control? That's the point you tell your kids. See that kid right there? See him being a brat? See how everybody's looking at him? See how miserable he is? His mommy and daddy never punish him. They don't they don't I I did that when I first caught time Cassandra dropped me off at the detention home. I told my kids like you see this place is a jail for kids. This is where the kids go whose moms and dads never spank them. They let them do whatever they want to do. And this is where they end up. And boy, it got their, it got their attention. Jail for kids. And there usually wasn't kids at their age. I think the youngest I ever saw was 12. I mean, 12 year old in jail? I can't imagine. Tommy's 11. I can't imagine him going to jail. But uh, you ever get out of line? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but. 
Hey, it's but it's that's the truth. And sometimes you've got to show, hey, this is what happened when you live this kind of life. I remember when I was I was just a teenager. I think I was probably 15, 16 years old. And I remember we went on a trip down to Southern Illinois, Missouri, with my dad, and it was just me and him. And we visited a lot of the family that was going through some very difficult times because of some very bad choices. A lot of them were living some very wicked lifestyles. But you know. My daddy, he loved these people to death. They were his family. We loved them. We'd go visit them. And it was just heartbreaking some of the things that were going on in their lives. And you know what? I remember on that trip, I'll never forget the conversation we had where we were just kind of talking about, I'm just kind of wondering, I'm thinking, Dad, how did you come out of this family? I mean, if you got around my dad and the rest of his family, you would just be like, what happened there? I mean, what's going on? And... The truth is that really a lot of it came down to choices that were made. Some key choices in his life. And my dad, told, he told me about some of the mistakes they made and about some of the, the paths he saw them taking that he just decided that he, that he was number seven out of nine kids and he saw what his older brothers and sisters were doing. He saw them going to jail. He saw his sisters coming home after being beat up sometimes by their boyfriends or husbands. And he saw, he tells a story one time of his, I think it was his brother and a brother-in-law. One time he saw them come driving home. They go driving through this field and they're driving around doing something and he doesn't know what's going on. And he looks and they get out of the car and they all start fighting with each other. And they're out there, they're fighting each other and they're hitting each other. And then the, and they were just drunk as could be, so it was a pretty pathetic fight. And then before you knew it, they were all crying and apologizing and hugging each other. And he said it was just the most pathetic, ridiculous thing he'd ever seen. He's like, I'm not going to be a drunk. And he chose to stay away from those things. And it made all the difference in the world. And I'll never forget the powerful visual illustration that I had that day. And it, it really made an impact. And we need to make sure that we're paying attention to those things. Not so we can be judgmental on other people. Right? That's not what it's about. But it's about making sure we teach our kids something. And to teach the next generation, Jesus used these things. Jesus gave demonstrations. John 13, I think the first week, we looked at Jesus when He washed the feet of the disciples. I can only imagine what the disciples were thinking. As the Bible says, He laid aside His garment and He girded Himself with a towel and He went and just started washing their feet. I mean, they're all, they've got to be thinking, Lord, what are You doing? What is going on here? And you know what He did? He was giving them a demonstration. Hey, I'm going to need you all to do something here. For three years, seems like all you all want to do is argue about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You argue about it all the time, and you still haven't figured it out. So He gives them a demonstration. Do you want to be the chief? You need to be the servant. As it says in Matthew 20, 27, and 28. It says if you want to... Be grace the kingdom of heaven. You've got to serve one another. If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash each other's feet. Jesus knew that the days were coming where they were going to need to be merciful to others, where they were going to need to work for each other and to serve each other. And He gave them that demonstration. It's a great teaching tool to have somebody show you how something's done. You know, we're all good at barking out orders. But sometimes... We need a demonstration. Sometimes you need to you know, teach your kids, hey, this is how you do this. Some parents, they, 
they are so lazy when it comes to teaching their kids. I mean, they literally they create more work for themselves. And they, you know, like our kids, we try to teach them things as early as possible. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a pain in the neck. But ultimately, it makes things easier. I mean, you know, it's hard potty training a kid. But you know what? It's even harder paying for diapers till they're five. Okay? I don't want to do that. It's hard teaching your kid to feed themselves. They're going to make a lot of mess. But it's also hard feeding them all the time. I don't want to be feeding my kids when they're 12 years old. I want them to learn how to do some things on their own. And sometimes, like maybe when you're working a job or doing something, mowing grass, you've got to stop and take some time and give demonstrations. It's going to take you a little longer. It's going to be kind of frustrating. They're going to make some mistakes. They're not going to do it right the first time. But you got to show them how to do it and eventually what's going to happen is the process is going to be going to become easier. I tell you, I thank the Lord my boys know how to mow the grass now. It saves me a lot of time. And it makes things a lot easier for me, but I had to I had to take some time. Last year when I was doing all the mowing jobs, I'd take them out with me and I was always in a hurry on those things, wanting to get them done as fast as I could. But you know what? There were some days where I had to stop and say, you know what? I need to slow it down and teach these guys how to do it. That way I can do other stuff in the meantime. And after they got it down, after I talked to them, boy, we would just fly through some of those things. And parents these days, they don't want to teach their kids anything. I'll be out in public and I'll see the things that parents are doing for their kids and it's like... Well, we got a problem here. These kids are going to be a burden on you forever, and then they're going to be a burden on society because they don't know how to do anything. Teach them how to do something. Teach them how to clean up after themselves. Teach them how to get themselves ready. Give them some demonstrations. Show them how it's done. And thank the Lord, Jesus Christ, He did that for us. As His servants, there's many things that we need to do, especially in the house of God, and especially concerning the ministry. And He showed us how it's done. There's almost nothing that we've been called to do that we can't go back and look at something in Jesus' life and go off of that example. This whole series of messages on service we've been doing, it's all been about something with Jesus. Something in Jesus' life. Something that Jesus did. He gave us the example. We've been called to teach. Not just preach. We're supposed to teach. And... Jesus showed us how to do it. He told stories. He brought it down to their level. He gave visual illustration. He gave demonstrations. And then lastly, this is the big one when it comes to teaching people because this is probably the most challenging of all of them. I told you I taught for six years in a Christian school and I learned that I'm not called to be a school teacher. <laughs> Alright, that's, that's not my thing. Because... If you're going to, to be a good teacher, you have to have patience when they're slow to learn. You have to have Jesus had patience when his disciples were slow to learn. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Remember, Jesus gave his disciples the power to cast out demons and to do miracles. And here, this man brings, it's a difficult case. He's got a son that's a lunatic. Alright? He's demon possessed. 
He does crazy. He's doing some crazy things, and the disciples aren't able to do what Jesus had commissioned them to do. In verse 17, then Jesus answered. I think he's a little frustrated here. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. I don't think he's just talking to the dad here. I think he's talking to the disciples. You faithless bunch. Have you ever said that to your kids? And you're trying to teach them something? Are you completely clueless? What's wrong with you? That's what happens when I get to teaching and homeschooling. My wife's got a little more patience than me. Sometimes I get I get to ranting a little bit, hollering. You don't get this. This is so easy. And Jesus, I don't think he was as mean as I've been before. But he's kind of calling names here a little bit. You faithless and perverse generation. How long am I going to be with you? Hey, what are you going to do? When I'm not around anymore, I'm not going to be here much longer. You're you're supposed to be doing this for me. What's going to happen? Many people, when they've been, maybe they've gotten, they've they found out they've only got six months to live, and it's very one of the most scary and difficult things for somebody when they're about to pass on, especially if they're younger, is they're scared to death. What's going to happen with my kids? And sometimes they get real frustrated trying to teach them everything in those final days because they know they're not going to be around much longer and they're worried how they're going to turn out. But Jesus, He calls out His disciples and He tells them to bring him the young man to Him. And Jesus rebuked the devil and He departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. You know what Jesus was telling them here? He said, Disciples, if you had faith as small as a grain of a mustard seed, if you just had a little bit of faith, you could move this mountain. It's kind of like us sometimes when we're teaching. We get a little frustrated. If you had half a brain, you'd have figured this out an hour ago. If you just weren't, I mean, if you weren't as dumb as dumber than a blind goose in a hailstorm, you'd have had this figured out. I said, maybe I'm the only teacher like that. Well, I get frustrated sometimes. And you know what? Trying to teach people the things of God, trying to teach people about you know godly living and about standards, sometimes. It can be frustrating. It takes them a long time to get it. But thank God Jesus did not give up on His disciples. Thank God after this happened, Jesus didn't say, you know what? Fine. You guys are so stupid. You're so slow. Get out of my face. I'm getting some new disciples. Jesus could have done that, but He didn't do it. They came to Jesus and He kind of insults them again. If you just had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, but then He calms down and He says, how be it? You want to know how to cast this kind out? He said, How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Jesus basically told him this one was a little more this was a more difficult case here. This isn't just going to happen. This takes prayer and fasting. You know, there are some things in the Christian life that are a lot more difficult. It does take a lot of prayer and fasting. It's going to take some spiritual maturity before people are able to get it, before people are able to understand it. That's what, and that's one of the things that we've got to really be patient with our younger brothers and sisters in Christ. Because listen, we're not, we, 
we're not just trying to go out and find all the people that are within 20 miles of us that are already like us to be come here. All right. Chances are their priorities somewhere and are okay there. We're trying to find people that are not doing the things that we're doing. We're trying to find people who are lost, who are living ungodly, and get them to change their life and to live a new life to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's going to take some teaching and it's going to take a whole lot of patience. It, it takes a long time. You go to you go to any good church where it seems like wow that church, man look how spiritual they are look how they all dress look look at all they do in that church that church has probably been around for a while. I guarantee you talk to that pastor it wasn't always like that. They'll tell you stories sometimes some of these pastors some of the best churches that I know and they'll talk about what it was like when they got there and some of the problems that they were dealing with in the church. Sometimes people there they'll give testimonies. About when they first started coming to the church, I was doing this, I was doing that. Man, we didn't know nothing. My dad, he grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and they didn't teach a whole lot about standards and separation and things. And you know, my dad, he'll tell you, you know, to the best of his ability, they were they were doing living godly, trying to do the right thing. But there was a lot of stuff they had not been taught. And thank the Lord, there were people out there. There was independent fundamental Baptists out there that. Didn't they weren't all down on them Southern Baptists because they weren't independent because they didn't have all the same standards and things that they did. You know what they did? They reached out to them and they taught them. They took the Bible and showed them, hey, you know, this is what we really should be doing as Christians. You ever have you ever noticed what the Bible says here? Well, this is something that I learned years ago that helped me so much because I want to please the Lord. And they're able to tell why. And you know, there's there's many churches out there, and there's many people there's many people in the churches that they are the model independent fundamental Baptists, if you want to call them that. Boy, they know how to talk the talk, walk the walk, wear the clothes. They know it all. They're they're doing it all, I should say, but they don't know why. If they were to be questioned, if somebody was to come up with them and say, Give me a Bible reason why you think that what I'm doing is wrong. What's wrong with my music? What's wrong with the way I dress? What's wrong with my church? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? If you can't answer that, good luck getting them to come over to your side. We've got to be able to teach these things, especially to our children. We've got to teach it to the next generation if we're going to grow and have a greater impact. You know, it's said it's it's great when you have knowledge of certain things, but it's better when you're able to pass that knowledge on. You don't just keep it all for yourself. Well, I don't want to. I don't want. To, there's certain things in the Bible I don't want to teach my people in the church because I want to make sure I always know more than they do about the Bible. Well, that would be a terrible attitude to have as a pastor. Hey, I want you to know as much as possible. I'm not going to just get up. And, Right, listen, folks. This is what you ought to be doing. I got plenty of Bible on it, but you don't need to know it. You just need to do it because I'm telling you. Well, that's not going to work very good. That's not. That's not. It's not going to get passed on that way. You've got to be able to teach it, and we've got a great example of Jesus and how He taught the next generation of disciples that taught 
the next generation of disciples. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. I'm going to, I'm going to close with this verse. This was our theme verse when I was in college. Well, not 2 Timothy 2, 22. 2, 2. It says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul, Paul, these things that I learned from you, where did Paul learn them? Well, Paul probably learned them from the other disciples that had learned them from Jesus. And Paul taught them to people that taught them to other people that taught them to other people that ultimately it's trickled down to us. And you know what? I sure hope it doesn't stop here. I hope we can teach some new people. That those folks that maybe they come and they look and they look at us strange sometimes. Boy, what's the deal with those people? What are they all about? Well, you know what? Let's try to teach them. And someday they will be able to teach somebody else. And that is the ultimate goal. So let's all stand together tonight. Head bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed.